0: This is the Commonwealth City Church podcast. Thanks for listening. Commonwealth is a church in Lexington, Kentucky. For more info, visit our website at CommonwealthCityChurch.com and follow us on Instagram at ComCityChurch. We hope you enjoy the message.
1: Verse 5. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifest in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke, we also believe, and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus with will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal." Join me in prayer. Father God, we come before you this morning as jars of clay, and we ask that you will fill us, not for our sakes, but for your glory and renew us day by day with your spirit. Holy Spirit, work in our hearts today as we hear from you. And let us be changed because of that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And that if you don't mind. Thank you, thank you very
0: much. Y'all may be seated. Well, good morning, good morning. This morning's, uh, I love it. Um, Today is going to be an example of a couple of things. Um, so this morning, got the text like seven this morning that uh, Andrew Eaton was going to be sharing his heart with us today. We were going to kind of kind of go at it tag team, but I was really just going to do an intro, and then he was going to preach the book of the message. And he sent me a picture of a COVID test. I said, "I remember those. <laughs> is that from a museum from three years ago?" He said, "No, that is from this morning." and I am positive. So, so I, a couple weeks ago I said, you know, I'm, I ended up stepping in to preach when my dad got sick and I said, but this, this normally happens about once a year, somebody having to cancel. Well, now it's two thirds of the year so far. At this rate, this rate, there will be eight months of me making up rogue sermons. Get ready, buckle up, buckle up, yes. So what I'm gonna do is kind of the same thing I do every morning. Um, in my closet. I stare at a closet full of clothes that Lauren has picked out for me over the years, and I try to imagine what would she want me to put on. That's what I do. So today I'm going to do the same. I'm going to stand up here and say, what would Andrew want to say? All right, I'm going to try to tap into my inner Andrew, convey the thoughts that were on his heart. He actually, I love the vision that he was kind of casting for today. It was really beautiful. He said, what would it look like for 2024 to be our year of loudest praise? For like this to be the year that if there was gonna be a decibel level put on, our, on the volume of our worship and our life, what would, it be look, what would it look like for this to be the loudest year of our lives? I love that thought. It Kind of puts something concrete to the way we praise. The cool thing is, I mean, worship happens. I, yeah, I am a, I, for years now, I have been, what a lot of people do is a worship leader. Now, when somebody says worship leader, what they mean is not, that man lives a lifestyle of service. They mean he plays a guitar and sing songs that other people wrote, all right? I tell people all the time, the only difference between a worship band and a cover band is heart. That's it, all right? Worship bands are always in danger every Sunday morning of standing on stages and turning into cover bands. The only difference is whether or not our hearts take those prayers that somebody else wrote to the Father and make them our own. And so I I love leading songs. I love leading songs. But I would love today, I would love to kind of elevate the role of worship leader, and by doing so, to demote myself and any of those who would stand up here with instruments in their hand and contend for you and for us that there is a far more important way of leading worship It doesn't take up an hour of your week, but can saturate 168 hours of your week. I love uh, the passage that Paul just read to us, 2 Corinthians 4, I mean... It's just it's like a gold mine. I love I love the way it starts right there in verse five. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord. With ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Guys, this is. It's one of a uh, Paul was Paul's amazing because he was probably the most educated writer. I mean, depending upon who you think wrote Hebrews, but more than likely like the most educated writer in the New Testament, one of. And it's awesome because there's all these moments where he'll just, it's like he forgets all that he learned in grammar. And he just, he is, his writing is full of run on sentences. But you can tell it's enthusiasm driven. You know what I'm saying? Like he just gets so hype about a thing. Like I love, there's a string of five prepositional phrases in here. All right. Has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Just this straight, you can tell he just got so hyped. And I love because it it's rooted, it's rooted in the very beginning of everything. The very beginning of everything. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And there's this moment during creation where The Father says, Let there be light. And there was. And when He said, Let there be light, and He separated light from darkness, something remarkable happened. Like that simple phrase, Let there be light. The first time that the Father said that with intentionality, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the first time that Creator created in the sense that we have understanding. Galaxies happen to the tune of billions upon billions. You know, I, it's so fun having a, um, having a little guy. My, my little dude turns five today. Woo! Happy fifth birthday, wind boy. And uh, today, being his birthday, I'm just thinking about all the things that have happened in the last five years. And it's, I'm telling you, it has been a deep dive for me. And like lots of things that I just never got into. Like yesterday, it happened again. That we're playing Legos, and he's done, and I'm not. This... My boat wasn't finished, you know. And I'm like, bro, I, I gotta find this piece. I know, I know it's at the bottom here somewhere. I'm not done. You know, I never, I don't remember like doing much with Lego. So I'm like, whoa, this is brand new. I'm like, with Trey in the card shop, like multiple times a week now. I'm just loving trading p- baseball cards and doing all this stuff. All these things that I'm getting to do with him, and b- one of my favorite things that I've gotten to do as a dad is how much he loves to learn about space. All right, I was not, I was not a big space kid. Wasn't like what a big NASA nerd or nothing. For those who are NASA nerds, respect. I'm now with you. All right. It took me. It took, I'm 35 years late, but I made it, and I would love to go to space camp. I'm sure there's a height limit there. They probably wouldn't let me in. But I love learning about space and all the things that I've gotten to. Like just looking up pictures of Hubble telescope photos is insane, and I, I love reading this. It, it made this chapter brand new to me. Brand new to me for a number of reasons. Because guys, when, when the Father said, let there be light, galaxies happened. Billions upon billions of times over. And what this verse is saying, what Paul's saying is, hey guys, you remember, you remember what happened the first time he said, let there be light? You remember the power that emanated from him? Guess what? He said it the same way in your heart. He said it the same way in heaven is the only place that sees truth. And if heaven could put galaxies upon galaxies to the tune of billions on one side and they put the work of salvation that has been accomplished in your heart next to each other and they had to pick which one is more profound. Galaxies are winning a silver medal. You know what I'm saying? What's happened in your heart The work that God has done to save you is more profound than the first time he said, let there be light. And the same way he said, let there be light. And the universe emanated from his voice. He didn't stop saying it. He's saying it over you. Recreation, recreation, brand new. Brand new. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. It's come in the next chapter after this. The same one who said, Let there be light, has shown in your heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God and the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay, show that surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He's going to make this list here after this. We're afflicted in every way, not crushed, perplexed, not driven to despair, persecuted, not forsaken, struck down, not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what's been written, I believe and so I spoke, we also believe, so we speak. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. And bring us with you into his presence. All right, so a couple weeks ago, I was on, a, just started research. And I, one thing, that my early 20s, um, Lord did a unique work in my heart, mostly through, through the ministry of guys who passed on long before, of missionary biographies and stories of, of saints. Um, over the past few hundred years and some even a couple thousand years ago, those who have been persecuted for their faith. And I fell in love with what's called the persecuted church and began to learn what does it mean to like have a, there's a scripture. I've told you all that if you've been here at Com City um, uh, more than once, you've probably heard me in some way refer to this. Hebrews thirteen three one of the most startling verses in all of God's word. Remember those in prison as though chained with them, as though you're sharing fetters. And those who are suffering because you yourselves are also in the body. And I remember falling in love with the persecuted church. Those who, you know, I read that. I, I can read that list. And I think I'm intended. That is intended to be universal. That is intended to apply to, to you in your current state, to the generations before us, to those in persecution, to those living in freedom. These things are, these are intended to apply to all of us. Afflicted, not crushed. Perplexed, not destroyed. Carrying in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested. in us. I love that. I love that there is a universal access to these truths. But at the same time, I'm also, just in the last couple of weeks, it's like it's been fresh again. This renewed excitement about what it means to learn to pray for those who are in the midst of persecution. I was studying some statistics just seeing if they had been updated in the last couple of years since the last time I really took a deep dive into learn about the persecuted church. And uh, I know about 10 years ago, it's when I got to sp- spend time with persecuted believers in a few places, and uh, it was so fresh then, and just in the last couple of weeks, I'm like, Lord, I don't want that to ever wane. I don't want my passion for interceding for those that I call brother and sister in the faith that I may never meet. I don't want that to wane. And so I was looking again. It turns out in the last um, 10 years or so, those statistics have changed, um, that some of that The number of people persecuted, that number has changed, and it has grown. It's grown tremendously. It used to be that they would assume um, it was a little over a third of the nations in the world were living in some form of limited access to freedom to express their faith as they would see fit. Now it's getting, that number has grown. Now, unfortunately, a lot of those nations that are part of that minority are the most populated countries on earth. So if you are on earth right now, you have a 33% chance of living in a place where you can gather freely without inhibition from government. 33% chance. 67% of the people that live on the earth today have some form of limited access to religious freedom. You just happen to be part of the one-third. Now here's that's like, oh, man, great. <laughs> Good news today, Kurt. Thanks. Brave the ice for this. Awesome. You know, no, but this gets really, really beautiful because here's the, here's the wild thing. Persecution is growing. Access to religious freedom declining. But you know what is growing at an unprecedented rate? The church of Jesus. Because right now, here's the wild thing. There are only four areas on the face of the earth that are not experiencing revival, that has been unheard of in their cultural histories. Those places are... Check, check. Those places are Western Europe, North America, the United States, Japan, Australia. Those are the four places. Other than that, everywhere else on earth right now is experiencing unprecedented growth. There are more, there have been more movements of the spirit and Muslim people groups since the year 2000 than there were from the beginning of Islam to the year 2000. And you have been alive during that. And what got me, What the reason that I think it's good for me to Look at those statistics. I know statistics for some people don't mean much to me. They're pretty motivating. I love, love numbers, love statistics. And the reason that I love them is because when I look at numbers like that, when I realize I'm part of the one-third, I'm part of the one-third of human beings of the eight billion right now on earth that have an unlimited access to freedom, then I think, okay, the two-thirds are stewarding their persecution beautifully. They are stewarding it. They're waking up every day with what everyone around them would call limitation, and they are watching every promise that God has made prove true over and over again. They're watching it prove true. And here's the reason that I want to bring this to you, is I want to know if they are stewarding their persecution well, if they are stewarding their limited access to freedom well, what are you doing with your freedom are you stewarding it well and I had this thought the other day I was I was kind of doing some research particularly on the movement of God and the nation of Iran and it's it's wild because the nation of Iran if you study much about um, what's going on and like the global economy of, or the even like politically what's happening you will hear a lot about the nation of Iran and what you won't often hear on the, on coming through the presses is the fact that Iran has spent the last 15 years having the most incredible revival that any Muslim nation has ever seen to the point that many people inside the nation, have, they've made statements like this, the mosques are emptying. There's some estimations that the average Iranian right now is now a believer because God has done so much in the Iranian church. And they're stewarding it well. And it hit me. This is what hit me. This is what, when I think about what does it mean to bring before us the people of God living in Lexington, Kentucky, 2024. What does it mean to make 2024 the loudest year of praise that we ever had? What does it mean for us, for us to contend for being a kingdom of priests and a room full of worship leaders? Here's what I kind of started thinking. like, Man, if somebody with all that limitation woke up in Lexington, Kentucky, And all of a sudden, it was uninhibited. What would they do with it? And I like that question. I love thinking about that. Like, man, what does somebody who's living in a persecuted nation? I spent some time with some persecuted believers in throughout India and and Nepal, and I love, man, those. It was unbelievable. Remember, I got to go to this village in Nepal that was, it was supposed to be unreached and unengaged, which means that the gospel has never made it there. And I got there and a local man who had been called by God to go there, greeted me, had had a dream about me two weeks earlier and had made an extended length bid in his house for me because of the dream he had. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. So I got there and I was like, you ruined it. You're supposed to be unreached and unengaged. And you're clearly reached and very engaged, very engaged. You know, he looked at me at the, after we had made this, this hike, and he said, um, in my dream, I saw us take the, the journey down the trail we just walked, come to this room. And he said, in my dream, um, I asked you a question, sir. I said, yes. He goes, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? I was like, you just taught me. I don't. I have nothing to offer you. Like, I was about to ask you to disciple me. Why are you asking me this? You know, it was beautiful, and this community of people. That there's no church there. There's no preachers. They hike an hour and a half once a week to worship with each other and to open scripture together. We're seeing, in churches that have been um, burnt down, and um, the leaders of those communities, and seeing engaging with them. And they're just the thing is, guys. They're just normal. They're just regular old people who wake up every day. With something different to steward than we do. And I just started thinking, what would it be like for them to steward this? What would they do if they could wake up in Lexington with uninhibited access? Unlimited access to the lost around them. And all this week, I've been praying over you guys and thinking about something that Brian said two weeks ago. He, he quoted one of my favorite quotes from church history. He quoted Spurgeon. And Spurgeon said this, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Now, if you're here today and you, maybe you're like just beginning to engage. Maybe you've, maybe you've been like spent a lot of time in church communities. Maybe you've, maybe you've been in rooms like this one, corporate gatherings with kind of a flow of music. Somebody teaches from scripture. Maybe you've, maybe you've engaged in that for years, maybe hundreds of times. And yet, you hear that statement, either a missionary or an imposter, and you're like, man, I'm afraid I might be on the imposter side. And maybe you're here and, and you love Jesus with all your heart and you're just wanting to learn what it means to be more deeply engaged as a missionary to the context you're called to. Guys, regardless of where you're at, I, I was thinking about it this week and I was praying for us and for Sunday morning, and I just had the thought, you know what, Lord, like, it's not just missionary. Every Christian is either a worship leader or an imposter. Every Christian's either an intercessor. I mean somebody who doesn't just pray, but they pray to stand in the gap for people. Every Christian's either an intercessor or an imposter. I just started thinking, Lord, what is that list? What are all these things that every person who falls in love with Jesus becomes? And when I was thinking through just that. The commissioning that Andrew was hoping to give us—like, what does it mean to be for this to be the loudest year of praise that we've ever spent? I started thinking about the way that Paul stewarded that. Started thinking about all the letters that he wrote while incarcerated. You now I finished Romans this week, and I was just sitting there at the end of it, going, "Man, like Lord, the the fruit of that prison sentence." Sometimes I wonder if. Paul just didn't, wouldn't be willing to stop to write because he was just too busy ministering to people until the Lord put him in a prison. You know, the Lord's like, all right, time for another letter. Guess I'm going to have to incarcerate you again. You know, just constantly. And he, he writes these letters to the church in these places where everything from the outside looking in looked like he was incredibly limited. And yet he realized, he realized when he's full of the Spirit of God, there's no limitation. And so I... I come to commend you guys for being a community that I think as I say this, this is not like, y'all better start doing this and get with it. It's like, no, I look here at this room and I know this is a room full of worship leaders. And I'm grateful to say that most of the worship leaders in this room don't play guitar and don't have to sing songs on a stage. And I love that. We would always prefer that. You lead worship by the way that you live your life by the way that you love those around you. And so if you're here and you are one of those, or if you're here and you feel far from God and you're just trying to figure out what it looks like, I think the altar call is still the same. It's what would this look like for this to be the loudest year of praise you've ever lived. The Lord was going to have to put a decibel level on the worship of just the way you live your life what would it look like to turn the decibels up? And I want to entreat you by the end of this this passage. It's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people. It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen for the things that are seen are transient the things that are unseen are eternal years ago i heard the lord ask me this it was in prayer one day and i had a sometimes i'll have thoughts that run through my head that, that are very concise and my thoughts are never concise and if they are concise and they seem to line up with the truth of what I see in God's word then normally I'll blame God for those thoughts I was praying one day and had this thought run through my mind Kurt I want you to live 150 years ahead of yourself I was like that's weird (laughs) I was like, cool what's that mean you know and so I just started thinking about it contemplating it realized you know what 150 years from now that's what's it 2174 2174 Earth might still be here. Who knows? This might, place might be the United States of America. Who knows? Maybe people here will be speaking Mandarin. I don't know. But in 150 years from now, you know what won't be here? Kurt. <laughs> Kurt won't be here. And you won't be either. In 150 years from now, we're all going to be gone. And I started thinking about that. Like, well, what? that's not bad news. I don't want to be here in 150 years. That sounds terrible. I'd be 190. I'd be awful. Like, I wanna be gone. But in 150 years from now, I'm, I'll be gone from here, but I won't be gone. I'm, I'm gonna live eternally. And in 2174, I know exactly what my mailing address will be it will be glory. And when I'm sitting there with Jesus no longer being faith, but being sight, when I'm sitting there and I see every promise fulfilled in front of my eyes, every moment of every day, I'm going to get to look back on this day. You know, I'm going to look back on 2024 and all the other years I lived. And in 150 years from now, whether I die, or I get a chariot of fire, or whether Jesus comes back, regardless, I'm going to be in heaven. I know that. I don't, I don't say that as some kind of like, it's not just my religious affiliation. Like, guys, I, I know it. I know it. The roots of it have already been planted in my heart. Like, I, I know it as sure as I know I'm sitting in this chair. that in 150 years from now, I'll be in heaven. And I'll be looking at him. And when I look back on 2024, it just makes me think, man, I wonder what, what I would have wanted to do. From 2174 heaven looking backwards, what would I have wanted to give him? What would I have wanted to say yes to? What are the no's that I would have been, I wouldn't have hesitated to give to sin? So as I invite the band back up, I would also invite you guys. Just consider in 150 years from now, when you're looking back on this day this year, this season of your life, whatever kind of, whatever kind of um, timeline you want to put in there. In 150 years, what will you wish you had done this day? And Lord, as I say that, I'm, Father, I'm stirred. I'm stirred to be a... Lord, you didn't even through one of those songs earlier just telling you, Father, I, I grieve the fact that like, Father, I grieve the fact that there are, I see your word, I see a church that saw their number being added to daily, multiplying constantly. And I know globally that is true. But Father, I want it to be true of us and I want it to be true of my life. May you make us a multiplying people. And Lord, may we need your grace for all these things you are talking about. May your grace empower us and equip us turn the volume of our worship up in your name for your glory amen